This is the MFG Cast. This is Kurt and Tracy. I'm Paige. This is D Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> After all this time, you think we would just know who should go? And a delayed reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Jeez, I'll never learn. That's okay. <laughs> One day we shall get it. We've only been on the air for six years, but you guys haven't been on it as long, so yeah. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another fantastic episode of the MFG cast. Um, we have another great interview. We have Mike Young from Plan B Games. He is their communications rep. Uh, Mike, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you guys for inviting me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Paige promised me some... Um, really cool swag on the way out so i just want to check that out before i'm out of here sweet sweet yeah. just to, just to let you know the mfg uh, the mfg cast socks are in the mail as we speak yes yes but, by the way Kurt, he said it's an honor which proves he did absolutely no homework about the show before he got yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That or next time he might want to see the swag before he actually does yeah, the interview. That is true. The socks are worn, actually. They've been worn oh, for I was gonna, uh, years. It's kind of gross. I don't, want, I don't want you to use socks. You can keep them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. <laughs> What's I the green stuff? Oh, it's stuff. color. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we get into talking about everything Plan B... Let's uh let's get to little uh, let's get to know you a little bit more. Let's do the obligatory question of how did you get into gaming and how you got into Plan B games working for them. Sure. So I mean to, to unpack that. Gosh, I'm a product of the '80s. I was born in in '80, and I was raised between Indianapolis and Berlin because my father was in the armed service. So we played tons of you know your standard fare, uh, Hasbro and Mattel games. Um, and somewhere around, like, I think 11 or 12, I got my copy of Hero Quest, And I think that led me into a little bit uh, into modern hobby gaming. Fast forward to, like, 96, 97, I was obviously a big MTG fan. I think everyone else was at that time. And after a couple of years, I got burned out of that. And Gen Con being in Indianapolis was in my backyard. I want to say it was, like, in 2000. Uh, 2001, I got introduced to Catan and started going to Gen Con regularly, and yeah, it's kind of escalated from there. As for how I got with Plan B, uh, I've I've worked as a freelancer within the industry for the last four or five years, doing a lot of stuff on the editorial side of things. So, working with um, especially F2Z with localization of their like German titles or their 
French titles, and um, I would also help with proofreading, uh, do some playtesting with them, um, do some original content, do some copy, editing work, etc., etc. Fast forward to uh, about a year ago, I was leaving teaching. I just It just really wasn't a good fit for me. And um, I discovered that uh, a publisher that I really liked was hiring. Well, I reached out to uh, my friends who used to be at FTZ and just said, hey, do you guys know anything about this publisher? What's some good talking points? I'd like to apply for them. And they said, you're looking for a job? And within 24 hours, I got a job offer to join Plan B. So that's kind of where I came in last uh, May, June. Wow. Very, a very exciting... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting story. Sorry, no. I, I was I was sparing you guys a lot of boring details. That's really cool. That's pretty awesome. You just, uh, I mean, you kind of put your name out there, and after, you know, you do the legwork freelancing. It's, you know, I guess the story that you, you kind of briefed it, but it, it makes it seem like you know, as long as you're doing good job freelancing somebody's going to want you eventually mm-hmm. well i you know I, th- I think it i think it comes with two different things part of that is um in addition to doing freelance work you know because it's you get a couple hundred dollars a project and stuff like this but um i was also volunteering quite a bit because i just i loved z-man i loved f2z overall but i loved z-man games quite a bit so doing a lot of volunteer work doing a lot of um leg work for them it just i built a little bit of a reputation with them they Learn to trust me. Learn to, you know, what they could expect from me out of work because I was actually getting paid to do some stuff for them. So, like I said, as soon as they found out, like I said, within 24 hours, it was uh, we didn't know you were looking. You got a home here if you wanted. So that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, very, very fortunate how it just kind of came together. So, just out of curiosity, your time at Z-Man Games, did you ever ask the question that everyone always wonders? Why don't you guys ever republish anything? People want to buy all your stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> so I, I know a little bit about this because uh, Sophie, who was then the president of Z-Man, is now the president of Plan B. And a lot of what I think she was is that she was pretty conservative with print runs. She wouldn't, like The worst thing that you can do is overorder on a product. You don't want to have stuff collecting yeah. dust because you lose faith in your retailers and your distributors. You, know, you hype something up and then no one moves it. So it's in some cases, it's better to have scarcity than an overabundance. Um, but then the other tricky part of this is that print runs usually come in whenever the original publisher wants to reprint. So, for example, Terra Mystica, which is one of my favorite games, when um, uh, Fjordland Spila would want to reprint, they're going to then go reach out to everyone else who would want to go in on a copy and reprint when they do. You don't just call them up and say, hey, I want... I want a thousand copies of this or two thousand copies of that. You gotta wait for them to come together so the GIs can get that bulk purchasing discount. So and who they partnered with was primarily like HIG, Hansam Gluck and um Pearl, which is really slow at reprinting and um Fearland wasn't so bad, but but yeah, it's just waiting for them and then then you have a three month production schedule to produce and ship. Ugh. But yeah, I, I know all too well. And then and then in the middle of all this as well, like the last uh Go back about 18, 24 months ago, Asmodee was going through the process of acquiring them, which you would suspend all your purchases at that point so that there's no loose end for bills for anything that you would need, that any financial obligations you would have when you trade hands, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Kurt, uh, we actually got an answer to the question we've been asking for years. <laughs> yeah. It's a, there's, it's a lot of moving parts, but that's part of it. That's a good chunk of it right there. I'm sure also that when people say, oh, you know, we want these reprints, we want these reprints. And then if a publisher went, okay, yeah, we'll reprint it. And then everyone kind of takes a step back and go, oh, wait, it's available now? Well, now I need to really reconsider. Do I really want this game? Because <laughs> it's easy to ask for something when you can't get it. Right. No, right? it's, it's but... <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a tricky part with anything. And it's GTM or not GTM, but um, whoever the, 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 the war game publisher, I'm, GMT, I'm sorry. They do like yeah, a, GMT. Yeah. they do P500 or whatever. I think that's a pretty good right. system because you're getting money up front. And then when the order gets filled, they can then push print. Um, but you can get better rates as a publisher if you do a larger print run because you're getting your per unit cost down. But no perfect world for that. But yeah, I think that's part of it is that um, with especially in Cult of the New Era where things are coming out and things are killers of everything and, you know, this game that came out this year killed the game from last year. You know, you don't want to write off product. You don't want something to sit there and waste uh, space on your shelf. All right. I, I've got a quick question about, so you said it was about 2000 when you were introduced to Catan? Yeah, somewhere around uh, 2000, 2001, somewhere in that time frame. So that's looking at about a six-year-old game. Do you think that there's games that are coming up or out that are going to have that sort of slow burn before it really takes off? Or do you think we're kind of past that era in board games? Well, you know, I, I think I think it's tough to say because um, I think Catan was exceptional in this case because um, you go back to 2000s and just then was America slowly getting broadband internet and North America was getting broadband internet. So even though you had BGG and you had websites for this stuff, it wasn't as comprehensive and the this industry wasn't as big as it was. So I... I think what happened is that you, you found a German publisher who put it out, and then we got Mayfair, who then did the English edition or the American edition. Um, and it's and it's just it's a it's a slow, steady uh, steam. I, I just I went to Gen Con. I saw it because Mayfair almost always had the biggest booth, and I'd check out what they had. So that's where I was first exposed to it. But nowadays, consumers are so well informed and. Um, the industry has really matured because they know how to market games better. So I don't think we're going to see games that take four or five, six years to get matur- you know, maturation so that the market is interested in it. You're, you're going to have a hit on your hands within the first six months of it releasing or not. You're going to know at that point if it's going to be something that you need to reprint. Right. It's interesting how the times change in that, in that sense. You know, I, I ultimately I think it's I think it just has to do with the fact that there was a big barrier of entry because translation is not cheap and to transport goods from China to US, even though I think Mayfair specifically with Kintan published and printed in the US, it's still tough. And then to find that market and to get it out there, it's uh it's a challenge for any publisher. But um those barriers have went down because the the industry as a whole kind of has grown to be more accommodating. There's people who specialize in all these things now. It, it's exploded and kind of at the same time come together because, you know, every everything's not necessarily physically closer, but it's everything has. There's so much more access. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's that whole um, it's that whole uh, Earth is flat thing. Not not flat Earth, but Earth is flat things where ideas and concepts are so much easier to transport because of the technology and yeah. And uh, 
how quickly I can get something from here to China. Literally, I can get something there overnight if I wanted to. So, yeah, it's it's that whole concept that things are just the former barriers have been knocked down. So we were just discussing like, you know, like slow burn and everything and how, you know, sometimes it takes a game a number of years to find that hook as opposed to like Gloomhaven where the day it comes out, tens, tens, this is the greatest game ever made. If you don't have this, you're not a gamer, whatever. And I was curious, like, um, because I remember when Century Spice Road was being announced. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Plan B games was just being formed. Century Spice Road was being speculated as the Splendor Killer. And I remember a couple of podcasts, you know, were kind of like, oh, well, you know, like, they're planning on a trilogy and they don't even have the first game. And how do we know this game even needs a trilogy? Like, not like so much like uppity, but it was just like, it was really odd because... Um, and this is something we talked about with Jamie Stegmaier and a few others, where it's like, a lot of gamers always say, we want new, we want something different, we, you know, we want to be engrossed in something, and then something comes along, and they're like, whoa, look at the big bridges on these guys, they think they, and, uh, <laughs> but, like, with Century Spice Road, like, you know, knowing that it was a plan for a trilogy, and also, like, one of the first things from, you know, Plan B Games, like, how did that come about, like, how did you guys feel, you know, with this concept that, all right, our first game released will be concluding in 2020. A couple things, like, um, to, to give a, a good explanation of this answer, like, I want to take a step back, and uh, if you go back to two, three years ago, um, then F2Z, uh, where my boss is, where Sophie used to run, um, there was going to be a game called Caravan, and that's where Century came from. They um, the Plat Hat team, Plat Hat Games, had gotten the rights to do Caravan from Emerson, and they were going to publish it, and that's where all the art came from. Um, but playing it, they discovered that this wouldn't be a good fit for Plat Hat Games. Uh, if if you know Plat Hat Games, they're like Dead of Winter, Ashes. It just this kind of cute pusher didn't match the line, so they were going to migrate it over to Z-Man. Um, at that time, Asmodee then wanted to acquire Z-Man and the rest of F2Z, so they went into negotiations. Uh, they ended up selling Z-Man, but she was able to walk away with Sentry and Sentry Gollum. That's when, when playing it, and they played it daily for two or three years, just getting it just right. They knew they had something special on their hands. Most people generally like it. It's a good gateway game. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to learn. 30, 40 minutes and you're done. And if it's anything like uh, my family, like we don't play one game. We'll play two or three in a row. So we yeah. knew that we had something on our hands. And uh, we thought it would be incredibly special to not only challenge Emerson a little bit, but to bring this kind of universe to life. And we decided that we're going to do a trilogy. So every game would be set 100 years apart from each other. So we start with Spice Road, which is the right before the Age of Exploration. Then we have Eastern Wonders, which is the Age of Exploration. They're discovering primarily the Indonesian islands. And then the next one's going to be the New World, where we then go to the Americas and start dealing with trading there. And we'll see new mechanisms there. So the goal here was to keep Century's DNA in each of the games so it feels like a Century game. But the mechanisms are different so that even though it feels like Sentry, it's a different experience, and we wanted the games to be mixable so that you would have just extra added value to your game. It, it isn't an expansion, it's a whole new rule set. So I can play Spice Road, I can play Eastern Wonders, or I can play the mixed game with them, and that gives me even more reason to collect and, and dive in deeper. So uh, having played 
both those games and the mixable game, I'm really impressed with how they turned out. Now, um, you mentioned with Plaid Hat. Do you think if there was D6s in the game, Plaid Hat would have picked it up? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they love their dice chunkers. Yeah, I, even like City of Remnants, like there's dice in every game they ever make, I think. No, and, and, uh, and that part of that goes into that whole philosophy of branding. They, knew, they just knew this. They knew it was a good game, but this just didn't fit their line. I can see that. Now, what's the chance that the series can go like seven extra games so we can get Space Spice in the future? Uh, you know, I I don't want to make any predictions, but I think they're I think it's slim. But I don't want to hold my breath. I know we have a trilogy set, and maybe maybe if there's still interest in there, they we can talk to them about it. But I can tell you the third one. The third one actually doesn't deal with spice trading at all. It actually deals with fur trading because that was the commodity of choice in the Americas. So. We'll see a, a slightly different trading mechanism. Well, the goods being traded are different, so Look. so it'll be Century Pelt Road. <laughs> Maybe I know he's, he's trying not to crack too when he asks those questions. We're he's like, "Oh, this is gonna be good, guys. Just we're wait just, for the wait for the response." Just, yeah, a space, space road. <laughs> wait for it. So, wait for so it. I have a question about like when once we get all these games together, does the do the mechanics stay the same or are there certain parts when it actually comes together that it creates like a different experience and it becomes something else? Um, so it, it does become something else, right? So when we, when we have Century Spice Road, that's primarily a hand builder. You know, you're messing with cards, you're collecting them, you're trying to build a little engine on that. Um, whereas Eastern Wonders is more of a pickup and deliver game. And with the um, with the combined game, it takes uh, the hand builder aspect because you could still draw cards and use them, but you also have the pick up deliver function, and the cards have additional features like giving you extra movement point if you want to discard them, et cetera, et cetera. So it um, it takes the best of both of those games and makes it into a new experience. And I, I wasn't completely sold on it until I started playtesting it back in uh, September. Uh, August, like as we were beginning to put the final touches on there, and like I said, I, I was honestly impressed by how well it came together. See, you have a little more fortitude than I do because I pre-ordered it when Paige showed me a picture of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the uh, that's one thing that I really like is that um, Chris Williams, who's our in-house illustrator, he's just phenomenal. He he's done the art for Azul, he's done Pandemic, he's done Flick 'Em Up. The guy cannot be pinned to a particular style. He's he's uh, excellent in that aspect, and um, a lot of the art assets from Century Spice Road and from the Golem Edition, those were from Plat Hat artists, people that they had contracted for, like uh, Fernanda Suarez, who did the Ashes series, and Justin Chan, who's doing a couple of new games. He was a student at the time, so with with Chris now on the helm, like he's just he's just a, a grade A artist. And it's just jaw-dropping work. Like, I'm in awe of his talent. So with Plan B games, with how thematic and how, like, just... It seems like the time put into it and the success that you've had with Century Spice Road and Azul, is it... What's what's Plan B's mission statement, basically? I can't think of, like, the, the right term, but, like, what are you guys going for when you come out with these games? So, uh, you know, it's... I think ultimately, because we have four lines under us, we have Plan B, we have Next Move, we have Eggert Spiel, and we have Pretzel. 
um, and each of them have their own identity. But the the uniform uh, idea that we want amongst all of them, good game has to be like a great game has to be there. But beyond the game, we want to be able to provide a, as good of an experience uh, as possible on team. Because these aren't just new guys that just popped into the business. These these have been people who've been handpicked by Sophie, who've been in the industry five, ten years. So the attention to detail that we see in these games are like all the little things, like metal coins, which could have just been a cardboard token, plastic bowls, you know, resin tiles instead of just a plastic tile or a wood chip or a cardboard or a punch board tile. They really pour a lot of time into the aesthetics not only visual but also the the tactile element and um, and the art's got to be amazing it's got it's got to really stick out on the shelf because um, in the in the age of uh, retailer space and you see something on the shelf a lot of these you go back like I don't I'm not gonna pick on um, uh, like some of the Aaliyah titles but if you go and look at some of the older Aaliyah or Rio Grande or Mayfair titles they just they just look blah on the on the shelf so we try to do something that's striking, that's visually uh, attractive, and that has gameplay to match. You mentioned uh, Rio Grande boxes. Is it you looked at the cover of Concordia and you said, let's not do that? <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's everything. It's like K-List guy. It's, it's Concordia. It's just that these are these grumpy uh, European guys or these drab European women just doesn't really pop out you know, at me. I heard the uh, original box art for Azul had a stoic character at the front. Is that true? Can you confirm that? Uh, I can. I can actually <laughs> confirm that that's not the case. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. I, I actually put the. I put. The, I put a um, <laughs> on one of our blogs. I put the original design up for uh, Azul, like the original cover design. Uh, I did an interview with Chris, and he found his original illustration. So you can find it there. Huh. Um, I think it was just a pencil sketch, but you can get an idea of what it was going to look like. Way too. For, uh, Way too for busy. Century Spice Road, uh, did you ever think of like having on the cover one person reaching for a card, but another merchant <laughs> grabbing it and then laughing in that other merchant's face? Uh, I, don't think, you... I don't think we got that thematic, but <laughs> you know, I should. I'll recommend it maybe for an alternate cover. Yeah, and it says on the bottom like actual <laughs> game results pictured above. You know, yeah. <laughs> not at not, not at paid actors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, since you were talking about like uh, like you know the presents in boxes and stuff, I just wanted to you know, and uh, I, I will admit this: like when you were talking about like the you know the balls inside and the, like the way the contents are, uh, I got to check out Century Spice Road at a local game cafe when it first came out, and just the tarot size cards, the fact that it came with like the cup holders, the inlay, I was like, all right, th- these guys want this thing to be seen all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it instantly made me want to play for it. Um, now, with those art assets you were talking about and the Century Golem edition, uh, as one thing Kurt loves I, that knows that I love to do is I love to riff on people that just love to complain <laughs> that are never happy unless they're unhappy. I know, I know this crowd. So, yeah. So I just want to say, you know, like I'm really happy that you guys did put out the Century Golem edition. Even though the people are like, man, it's not going to be compatible with Eastern Wonders. This sucks. It, like, <laughs> they wanted it. You guys did it. And it's, you know, it's it's nice to know. Like, if you prefer a fantasy theme, like, yeah, whatever. You can't do Eastern Wonders with it. But maybe you're not a person that's looking at the whole trilogy. Or maybe, like, you know, you just want something that's a little easier to play with friends and family. 
Well, just you know, the different aesthetics. It's nice to that's, have. That's kind of always been my line, is that ultimately the games stand great on their own. And um, I don't view those... I don't Because they're not expansions. They're sequels. So they're new game mechanisms, and there is a mixable component. That being said, um, we've... we've I've heard it plenty, and, and I brought it up to everyone's attention. They know this. Um, I'm trying to get the editorial staff to consider doing an expansion. It doesn't mean they're going to, but just at least talk about it, see if it's something worthwhile, just because there is a lot of fan demand out there, and we're pretty good at listening to people. Right now, it's just a logistics issue. We don't have enough manpower, and then is there enough interest in the distributors to carry it? Because I think there's concern that one would cannibalize the sales of the other, da 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 yeah, th- and and then what you were talking about about the overproduction, how many of each version do you put out? That becomes like a ridiculous well, it's, you know it's, it's, thing for you guys. What, what, we're we've been we're pretty conservative with when it comes to our first print runs. We were we're never going to print more than an extra thousand or two for our web store. Our first print run will always be based on pre-orders from our distributors. Um, so we'll go to them, we'll shop it, you know, get an idea of what your market would want. Um, and that's going to be our first print run. So there's always going to be a scarcity if it's going to be something that's really hot. Azul, I, I don't even know the print run. It was tens of thousands, but uh, it, it, it wasn't enough. So that second print run, I think, more than doubled the original print run because the, the demand was just so high. But if it was a flop, then you know we would, we'd had stuff collecting dust. And, or worse, we'd have to write off the inventory. So Yeah, I mean, that, that is it's a bitter pill to swallow like you know knowing that when uh like you know like what i was saying is like with the customers wanting the two different versions you have century spice road you go to the store they only have the second part for the golem edition you're like oh man why did they even put that you know well and, but, and that's and that's the other thing is that i i think that there's enough um i mean we're we're a pretty well-educated group like people know where to go to get information uh they know bgg they know the different reddits and stuff like this but um but there's a lot of people who walk up and they just they don't know any difference, and they say, "Oh, I got to get the Century game." They don't know which Century game to get, and if there's three or four different versions, so you know there's there's a little bit of potential compute, you know, consumer confusion there. But yeah, definitely. Do you feel that there could be some backlash because of your uh, listening to what? consumers want because uh i mean having stated that there likely won't be a a golem edition uh if you kind of went back on that do you worry about the the backlash from that or do you just say it's it's worth a bit of backlash for the for the extra sales or you know ultimately i think we have a vocal minority really more than else that the, the, the belly acres and i get their point but here's the thing if if we were to ever produce a, a Golem expansion, or excuse me, a Golem sequel, I would make sure that we're super transparent up front. I mean, the, the lesson learned on the first one is that we couldn't get distributors on board. If we were to do a sequel, I'd be extremely clear, okay, this is when you can expect it, this is when it's gonna be at retail, um, just so that people don't feel like they've been baited or switched, because that was never our intention with the first one. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't sell this. No one wanted to buy it, so we did direct consumer fulfillment, which is, good but that's not a, we're a publisher not a distributor and give it to someone who specializes in that um, because it was it is a labor of love to make sure that we get these copies out to people we had to hire extra staff to make sure that the warehouse was sending these out timely so but yeah th- there's there's potential for consumer backlash but if if um if we were to ever do something like this i would i guess i'd be as transparent as i could 
um, because I don't want there to I don't want there to be any bad blood, and I don't want there for for there to have a, for us to have a bad reputation, so to speak. So speaking of awesome games, let's talk about some of the stuff that's coming out in the future. Really, it depends on what brand you guys are most interested in. So uh, I am a I'm a, I'm a big uh, medium to heavyweight Euro player. I love uh, games uh, that we produce under the Eggerspiel line. I'm a big fan of Great Western Trail. I like Mombasa. Um, our next title, which is uh, Quimbra, is by uh, an Italian design duo who has been known to put out games like Lorenzo, Egizia, um, Voyages of Marco Polo. So this is a, a really unique dice game because throughout the game you're going to draft dice and they're going to have three different functions. It's going to assess the the cost of, of these characters you're going to hire. It's also going to assess the um, priority in which you can draft the characters and it's also going to affect your income phase so this is like a medium weight very interesting dice game i am fascinated by this game when when i was at hq back in december we had built a mock-up or two so we can all play it uh, i may have stole it from work so i can take it home um, <laughs> and i play it on a regular basis it's so good it's um it's clever it's kind of a victory point salad game but mm -hmm. um if you guys are like, I see this wall of games behind you. If you guys are into that medium weight class, this is like if you if you like dice games, this is an excellent one. Yeah, and actually, I'm sorry. Can I can I interrupt for half a second? I am super stoked about this game. I've seen some of the art and the art, of course, just like everything you guys have done so far. The art looks phenomenal, but also it kind of uh, it kind of likens me back to like almost like Lagranja. I don't know if I'm La saying Granja. it like Lagranja, Lagranja, whatever. It kind of seems like that, but light. Like it'll be like very easy to play, very easy to learn. You know, it's just something that just looks like something in my wheelhouse, and I'm super stoked about it. When when does it come out? Uh, Coimbra is due out at Gen Con. We'll have uh, we'll have some advanced copies. Like um, uh, I know that uh, in in Italy they're doing Play Modena next week, so they're going to have it out there. And I think we'll probably have it out at the gathering of friends, and maybe um, I'm certain that we'll have it at Origins at our booth. So and, and Dice Tower Con will definitely have it there to to demo. It's really good. If if you like if you like just interesting dice games, this is definitely one that I would recommend. It's um I, I like Lorenzo quite a bit. I like Twa quite a bit. I like uh, Marco Polo quite a bit. This is around the same weight as those. Um, very easy to learn. Uh, I think the only challenge is the iconography, but after a play or two, you got it down. Perfect. Uh, what would you say a, a game length would be on average? Two players is. 60 minutes three players four players might be 75 to 90 if it's a learning game just tack on an extra 10 or 15 minutes but really throughout the game you're, you're gonna your your turn involves drafting three dice placing three dice and then you do income you know you have a couple decision points in there but it's it's not a complicated game to learn uh, but the breath is in the decision tree because you're going to have a lot of different cards to look at. You're going to have a lot of different options to pursue for strategies. Right. And that's that's awesome to have that variety in under two hours. No, exactly. I mean, you, you're gonna, you, you will see every card that's in the game with it when you have the... Because they're basically... Uh, I think there's... Uh, I'm trying to do the numbers. You'll see 12 around. There's 48 plus the first so you'll, you'll have about 56 different cards in there 
Um, so you'll see them all every game because that's basically your your turn sign or your uh, end of game signifiers when you run out of cards. Okay. But um, you have variable conditions on different tracks that you can pursue. You also have different voyages, and there's about 30 or 25 different voyage cards which you can fund that are all randomized. So there's there's plenty of variability in the box, just built in. No game's going to be identical to the other, and and just the way that you're pursuing and why you're choosing the dice you're choosing is is also just it's just it's nice without it being overwhelming. Yeah, that's that's excellent. That. Uh... My hopes are up for playing it sooner than later. <laughs> uh, it's it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. As I, much as I can control that, I'll I'll make that happen. Yeah. It uh, I, nowadays it feels like there are some games when I see them I go, gosh, that looks like fun. Play it eventually. But this one, I'm like, I want this now. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't feel like I have that. Like, I love game. You know, of course we love games. That's why we're talking. I mean, gosh, I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But like, I don't know. There's just some games that just catch your eye, and this is one of those that just like automatically, I'm like, I, I'm going to play this game. No, I was just gonna say he was he was poking around online, and he's like, check out this game. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I'm like, geez, okay, okay. It looks it looks cool. <laughs> He's like, this is gonna be Mike. It's, what what I like what I like about our our um our production cycles that um so you have publishers I, I don't need to name any but you have publishers who will shovel titles down your throat and give you twenty or thirty releases a year and you're kind of because you love the publisher you're gonna sift through them and try to figure out which one's good which one isn't. We'd rather kind of go almost like a Days of Wonders approach where if we're going to put something out, we're going to put our heart and soul into it so that it's a great game and that it's worth your time. So we're going to we're going to try to aim for one or two games a year per line and make sure that it's a it's a quality over quantity sort of thing. It, it helps that the fact that we have a small staff. We don't want to overwhelm them. But we'd rather you have a game like Azul, which is amazing, than shovel three or four games and hope that you find it. Well, uh, Eastern Wonders, which is... Um, which is our our plan, our plan B release that's due out at what Origins. What is that? I don't know what that is. Tell me uh, um, that. Oh, it's a, it's the next century <laughs> game. Um, if you if you if you haven't seen it yet, it is it's actually pretty cool. Century uh, I thought was a very accessible game because it's something I can teach in two or three minutes. Um, Eastern Wonders is a little bit more. I don't want to say it's more complex. But it's a little heavier. Whereas Sentry, it's a hand builder. I got a small hand of cards. I can look in front of me and see what I want to draft. I think the weight of Eastern Wonder comes in the fact that you have a modular board. So you're going to see 20 tiles in front of you. All of them are different trading ports. So what am I going to go after? How am I going to get this? Having that kind of information in front of you just widens the decision tree. So the weight is there. And okay, how do I optimize this to go after what I'm looking for? Um, plus, there's more player interaction, which Sentry, uh, it was always very interdirect. I would draft the tile that you would, or the card that you would want. Um, and it's usually, I don't, I never really, I, I haven't done this. I haven't hate drafted, but I, but there's been times where I just, I've kind of stumbled into a card that, oh, my wife may want it, or my buddy may want it. Sentry with Eastern Wonders, um, I can sit on a tile, and if, if you want to come to that tile, you have to pay me resources to go there. So, it's not um, it's not a casualty, so to speak, but it just it, it creates just a little extra friction there, so that you can be a little bit more competitive in that arena. But the game's great. Uh, I uh, I like Sentry. It's a little lighter than my normal taste, 
but Eastern Wonders really, um, it feels like Century, but it just brings it up to another level. I really enjoy the, uh, the, just the, just the feeling I get from it. Cause it's like I said, it's very much pick up and deliver, but, uh, but there's just a little bit more heft to it. It feels a little more complex. You're either going to drop down a bunch of cubes to get that one that popped up on the, on the fourth or fifth spot on the row, or you're going to waste a turn grabbing it. And that gives them an opportunity to pursue something else. Well, one thing that I do adore with uh, the Spice Road is that if you want a hate draft, it comes at a price. Right. One, one thing I got to say is, uh, and I mean, granted, the amount of images of Eastern Wonders is very low on BGG right now. However, the player boards, do I almost see like a Terra Mystica slash Cal- Clans of Caledonia with those trade houses? Like, do you like gain more for having those on the board? Well, so yeah, so... um if, so if you look at the player board, right, there's, I think they're basically set up in columns of four or five, depending on what game you're playing. And um, after you unlock your uh, a vertical column, you get an upgrade. Uh, and that upgrade could be making your ship move an extra space. It could be adding more cargo space to your hull so that you can hold more cubes. It could be raw victory points or upgrading your actions. So like when you do a rest action, you can collect not just a yellow cube, but also a red cube. So... Um, it, it gives you a little bit of asymmetric uh, abilities in there with, with that. You won't, uh, you won't start with different abilities. I won't start any different than you would. But as we move on throughout the game, uh, we could gain uh, bonuses to the actions that we're doing, help us pursue our own strategy. And uh, now you said this would be available like uh, close to Origins? Yep. It, uh, release date is at Origins. Retailers will have it shortly after. We're going to be opening up pre-orders probably in a week or two from our website. Um, and I think they'll have some sort of exclusive uh, goodie or promotional deal when you order through us um, directly. So stay tuned. If you don't follow us on social media, find us at uh, on Facebook and Twitter and um Instagram, I guess we're on Instagram. So, all right. So, uh, so Kurt, you and Paige are gonna have to run the show for a few months because I'm gonna give a self-inflected coma until Origins. Because <laughs> just, just like, going yeah, to hibernation. It's like it's only like three images, but I just keep going back to them. Like this looks so. I know, like this is gonna be one of those games that at every con. Once somebody walks by, they're just going to stop and look at it. Well, I mean, what, what I like about... Because Chris Williams is our artist here again. You know, he... Whenever he gets into... I kid you not, he's like... He's a he's a lifelong learner. Whenever he gets into a new style, he researches the hell out of it. He's... You know, he pours time into it. He practices, you know, perfecting it. He looks into architecture. Like, he was looking into Indonesian architecture so that he knew exactly how the huts should be shaped and stuff like this. Um, and then you pair him with uh, Philippe, who is uh, a graphic designer, but also like an art director of sorts with us. And these two just rip off each other. And the outcome of those two having these conversations, just pushing each other, is gobsmacking art. And he is so good at choosing the right color palette so that you have these wonderful balances of warm and, and cool colors. So, like, I'm just, like I said, I'm in awe of his talent. I, I genuinely believe that he is the most talented illustrator in the industry and just kind of a unkept or, you know, a, a poorly kept secret because he's so good. Like, again, it's it's something so minute, but like uh, awesome. when I mentioned before, the tarot size cards for Century Spice Road, like, yeah, they could have been standard playing card, but the tarot side card just gives them a little more presence and feel. The fact that these could have been hexagon tiles, but they have that little wave 
Yeah. No, exactly. God, it it just looks so good. It's 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 so cool. So that was that's more of a product of, of Philippe doing it. Like so on our team, Philippe, like I said, he's he's a graphic designer, but he also kind of serves as a as an art director. Him and Chris will work on this, and he's the one who makes up uh, the final decisions when it comes to you know the bowls and to the inserts and the shapes of tiles and stuff like this. The tiles in Azul came from him going through a dozen different prototype batches, sample batches, trying to find the right weight and balance and everything. So. His his eye to detail is and his attention to detail is just impeccable. And he's uh, surprisingly he's not a super hardcore gamer. He just I know what gamers want. This is what I would want. So this is what he produces. So it's like these little things that just kind of make it stand out from uh, from other games. I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, even with Century Spice Road, when we were at Gen Con last year. See, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's so long ago. Yeah, apparently it was last year. Yeah. Um, we walked past, and there were, what, four or six tables, and they were all playing Century Spice Row. And I was like, what is that? Look at all those bowls. Look at all that stuff. Look at those coins. Look at the cards. What is it? What is it? What is it? I have to get it. Like, that is what, I mean, it's the components of the game sometimes that just get you that are the covers or the I mean that's how kind of how I felt about Azul too is I'm like what is this is the cover of the game and then you open the game and it's like magic inside it's like starbursts of cool components and (laughs) you don't ever want to swallow them because you'll choke but you know they're so cool it's cool it's a cool game yeah well, and and I, I really like a lot of credits due to those guys because um, I'm right there with you. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the presentation and the and the presence on the board and just how it looks and how it presents to people, uh, it it turns heads because it doesn't like Coimbra to go back to Coimbra. A lot of these heavy euros, like I I love heavy euros, love them, but man, they they love beige. <laughs> And they love like muted colors, <laughs> and that's that's so drab to me. And um, so, and who so likes to see beige? us, yeah, no, exactly. So to to see us like um, to see us do something different with the art and make it brighter and more attractive, it's just it's just visually more stimulating. Like I'm much more attracted to that. So it's uh, it speaks volumes because they want to match the art to be as good as the game. So. Two out of two so far with Plan B. I think they're hitting it out of the park, and Coimbra is right up next. So makes a big difference. Plus, I, I also think that these little things, like uh, and, and from from a from a publisher perspective, I think about um, consumer value, right? Because I, I buy stuff, and I think that I get my money's worth when when I get, spend forty bucks retail on a game, thirty thirty five from Amazon or the big box discounters. And I get something that weighs four or five pounds. Or if I get these chunky tiles or these little bowls that didn't have to be in there, but really just add a little extra value to it. I mean, this is why people like metal coins and little bling in their Kickstarters is that it just feels like you have something a little nicer. And gamers like it. I like it. I don't think yeah. there's any dispute that anyone doesn't like it. So It gives you that feeling you're doing more than well, just I mean, yeah. it's, cardboard around. It's, it's, it's nicer for a better <laughs> it's metal integration for sure. But it, yeah, it just it, yeah. it just it feels good. It feels nice, and it's a tactile element, especially or visual element that just uh, I think it just makes the game more memorable. Well, yeah, it sets it apart from other games where 
you get presented with the six inches of cardboard that you have to sit and punch out and then sort through it because this whole stack is for this section and this whole stack is for this <laughs> section. And I mean, we just did that a couple weeks ago and it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know when I, when my, when my Amazon orders come in and I have a uh, three or four boxes of punching, you know, with oh my God. multiple cards and punch boards. Whew. Yeah. You spend like a half a day doing that. And then you're like, well, I don't want this game because I just spent an hour and a half punching out the game. And then we don't, we don't end up so playing Tracy, it that time because we've spent so much time. Are you referencing Wasteland, uh, Wasteland Express delivery service? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't played it yet, Dan. Cause you got carpal tunnel from punching it out. Like, I saw the cardboard. In yeah. That <laughs> yeah it's it's bonkers and so yeah we we probably spent a couple hours punching it out and organizing it and trying to figure out where it went and it's sitting up here somewhere we haven't played it yet it's on our naughty list yeah no i i i am a, i am a big fan of um of the of the heavy chunkies and i got gaia project a, a couple months ago and it just sat on my shelf and finally i found a guy on facebook that printed a, a 3d organizer and man night and day difference i played that thing three times already um <laughs> since getting that uh like two weeks ago three weeks ago just because i i just couldn't you know it's just mm-hmm. it's a nightmare to i, I know it's a little <laughs> off topic but yeah. so should gaia project be on my wants list because i i'm a fan of terra mystica as well uh, and uh, it uh i i would leave it to so if if, if you really enjoy terra mystica Think about it. If Terramisca is burning your brain, uh, Gaia is just going to is going to add more to it. Um, I personally like Terramistica more. It's it's still heavy, but it's I can I can play that one in my sleep. Gaia Project, there's just the, oh man, it just it fries my brain. So it, it just really depends on on what your experience I think is with Gaia Project. I would always say start with or with Terramisca. I'd say start with TM and figure out from there where your comfort zone is. Play it definitely before you buy it because I think that thing is a hundred dollars yeah, retail or ninety dollars retail. I'm it, like so. the cheapest is like around like seventy. That's why it's a big question mark in my book currently. <laughs> yeah, no, I had I had to, I had to save up my spousal equity to to get that one. So I like that term a lot. I, I want to play a game called spousal equity. <laughs> <laughs> more back on topic as a publisher do you have considerations with your inserts and getting the take game to the table quick you know when you open it for the first time and you know let's just pull it all these you know let's pull the cubes out of the bag and put them on the thing and go and we're good it, i mean how much of a consideration uh moving forward even from Eggertspiel? How how much of that is going to be a consideration? It's it, it's so it's going to be difficult to say with Spiel because um, Coimbra, it has it's going to have a, a punch board or two. It's not a massive punch board. Um, so much of that game is in cards and in dice, um, but it'll have a small punch board. But um, moving forward, I, I honestly can't say for certain because the intention for Spiel is going to be that medium weight right. euro line. What we're looking at using that line for, so it it could be a thing where it's it's just more cost effective to use a punch board. How will organization and inserts look in there? I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I haven't even seen Coimbra's um, final, like the final draft of it. 
Uh, I don't think it's right. been sent to publish or to spin to print yet, but it should be soon. But I can I can tell you from Plan B and from Next Move, this is definitely a consideration. Ultimately, what we want is we the the design of the games to be extremely addictive and extremely fun, something that you want to play a couple times over. The best way to do that is make it as easy as possible, get it out of that box and onto the table, and as easy as possible to get it reshelved. So I think Sentry does that really well, Azul does that perfectly well, and Reef will do that no problems. And uh, Eastern Wonders, there's a couple tiles. You're gonna have a punch. You're gonna have a punch board for the tiles in there, but it's gonna be something that's easy to get into and easy to get out of. Um, you just gotta shuffle your island tiles and and your um, and organize the the boat upgrade tiles. So. It's, it's going to take you two minutes. Have you guys got uh, threatening yeah. letters from Broken Token and Meeple Realty? Like, what the hell are you guys trying to do to us? <laughs> <laughs> you know, surprisingly <laughs> enough, um, I've seen I've seen a lot of third-party stuff beginning to come out. Nothing so much with Sentry, but I've seen uh, like a, a, a producer in, in England who's putting transparent overlays for Azul for the player boards, which I guess if you're like hyper uh, OCD and you need everything in the exact spot because it's a, just a little overlay where you can put your tiles at. Uh. Maybe if you like live in an earthquake zone? You know? yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I, I've, I haven't had this issue myself, but a lot of people, I think they just like that. I think that they like that gamers are very meticulous about their, about their components, so maybe they're the same way about their boards, but I saw. I've only seen one guy producing this, and he was charging like forty bucks oh for a couple gosh. inserts for or overlays for Azul. That's, that's, like, that's as much as the game. And after you factor in shipping, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck with it, man. I... So you mentioned um, Reef. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We didn't even talk about Reef. So. Um, Emer- no, that's okay. Emerson uh, is is the designer of that. So he did Century. He's doing the Century series. Reef is is actually really good. It's it's on the abstract line for next move next move games, which is where Azul's migrated to. This game is quick, like it's lightning quick. Sentry is pretty quick, but so is um, Reef. On your turn, you you have one action. You can either draw a card, or you can play a card. When you play a card, the top portion of it, you you draw that particular type of coral, and you're going to stack it somewhere on your board. The bottom part of that is a scoring portion of the card. So if you have a particular pattern. Uh, you're going to score points based on that pattern, and this is a quick ping pong like game. You're just boom, 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 back and forth. It's definitely, definitely in the wheelhouse of of a lighter abstract game. Uh, Azul is a little heavier than this one in terms of complexity, but this is still really fun, and it reminds me of a lot of Century because it's it's quick, easy to learn, and and I want to say the rule set is two pages maybe three so it's a quick to get to the table quick to play kind of game we just pulled up the um the image of it it's a beautiful game like very (laughs) colorful yeah the um the the components in there they they did a nice job because um again philippe who is our our art director of sorts he was looking at uh, all different types of shapes and and colors and, and just trying to make everything feel right does it look like coral not exactly but we wanted something to be a little more abstracted coral, but that felt good and looked really good. And more importantly, could stack because the game has a vertical element as well as a horizontal element. So, yeah, it, uh, I think it looks great and it plays really quickly. So 
Strongly recommended. I, I have to say that, but I actually do like it. <laughs> so when does this one come out? Uh, this one's an Origins release as well. So if um, we'll be opening up pre-orders on that soon. And again, we'll have some sort of exclusive goodie if you order through our website. Definitely one to check out if, if you if you liked Azul. I don't want to say this is a predecessor to Azul. It's not. It's it's just right in that light, abstract, lightly themed game that's um, quick and fun. Easy to get to play with, especially non-gamers. I could teach this to my mom or to my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and they'd have no problem picking it up. And, I mean, with the vertical pieces, it's got to have good table presence. Oh, yeah, no. It, it look If you haven't seen it, it looks great. And it, yeah. and it looks like you can <laughs> almost play this, like, in a cafe. Like, size-wise, it doesn't look like it's that too like you know taking up too much space no no so so the player boards are about the same size or a little smaller than um azul's player boards and that and i think you get about 100 pieces or 80 pieces inside of the game so it's table presence it's not a monster like uh, some of these games this is like azul it's going to have a, a minimal table presence but still looks great just doesn't eat up your entire table right if you don't want it to spread out <laughs> make it go up <laughs> well it was, it was interesting because i actually talked to emerson a couple weeks ago like i was just curious where this came from and he challenged himself to make a bunch of different types of city building games and this was originally a city builder so you know the vertical aspect was like uh, like sim city like okay i have a small little residence and now it's an apartment now it's a skyscraper so City games have been done. They're a little drab, so we decided to do something a little bit more exotic and colorful. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think it. I think it worked out. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys will too when it gets out. Yeah, it looks it looks interesting enough. Like, uh, my wife is not only super interested but very dominant at like the abstract puzzly type of games. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like Azul Sagrada, all those types of games. She just. You whoops me mm-hmm. pretty savagely. This looks like another thing she'll just go like seven to no against me. And... <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, she'll like that. It's it's so weird because uh, my my wife's not a not a hardcore gamer. I think uh, I think Paige knows this. She's a very casual gamer, and the stuff that she likes to play are the light games and abstracts. Seem to do pretty well with her, just because there's there's less theme integration. So there's uh, there's for some reason, that makes it easier, more accessible to her. So, uh, Azul's played regularly around the house, and I need to build myself a, a reef prototype. But um, I think this would would take off with her, just because it's quick to learn, easy to play. You don't have that hour and a half long investment in a game, which is a big challenge for a lot of people. So yeah, it's weird. It it just it just feels like. For some reason, like when you know, like what Dan said with Kim beating him in the abstract games and stuff like that, like he's talked about that with like Sagrada and and Azul and stuff like that. It's like, it's like when me and Tracy play Azul, it's like, is this abstract part of me just like, like part of my brain got eaten out or like rode it away from something because I can, like I love playing the games, but like I can never find a way to actually win handily or win at all, actually for that matter. <laughs> you just need to be better. <laughs> you know, I yeah, right. You just gotta practice. Uh, yeah. Have you tried playing better? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, exactly. That's probably You're... the solution. That's probably the solution there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's play twenty times, and then when I lose twenty times and my BGG stats have gone down, then I will cry myself yeah. to sleep every night. <laughs> 
fine. <laughs> I should uh, I should totally track my plays because um, I would say against my wife I it's it's so interesting. She's such a weird player that um, I don't want to say that she king makes, but she doesn't play to win. She plays that I lose. <laughs> so she does. We were we were playing four player Azul with her, with her parents and um, she, like she just took an entire row of uh, of the of the drop line and she's you know she's out of the competition she's not coming back from this <laughs> so she starts looking at my board and um, she's like uh, uh, mom grab this this is what he wants uh, Doug grab this this is what he wants <laughs> and starts trying to direct strategy to them so that at least I wouldn't win. She didn't care about losing, so long as I didn't win. <laughs> if I can't win, you That's can't awesome. win, honey. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, what? I was like, what the hell, babe? It's, you got to give me... Gotta... <laughs> just, just this weekend, Kim did a move. Like, she could have gotten extra points, but she rather have made me lose six. Like, she came in second place <laughs> because of that. I was like, was that worth it? Like, just to set my, <laughs> set my we, ship aflame. That's what we you know? do sometimes. <laughs> Except this, this dude annoyed annoyed me with his he didn't realize he had like the worst smirk on his face while we were playing this weekend and he he made me so angry and i said it's okay if you win but when you look like that and win i get really mad but of course you know i'm trying to hide it like i'm like i'm trying to hide it like i'm like i'm sorry but instead it just makes me smile more but it but it he was making it worse and he was making me even more angry and then i was getting really mad (laughs) you fix your face or i'll fix it for you because he doesn't he doesn't win that often Wow, thanks. So, sorry. Wow. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, spoiler. I should have I should have started with that. So I don't have to see that face very often. It was it was really making me angry. I'm like, quit. I was going to say, it's only like one out of 15 games. Probably, Dan. <laughs> Probably. Well, you know, it's. I'm going to I'm gonna so start because... training. I'm going to start training like Rocky and just play game after game. So then every game I play, I'm going to give her a smirk. Like, but it was like yes. the cockiest smirk ever and i'm like wipe it off your face and he's like it was getting worse and i'm like your and as soon as page i want to see i want to see kurt like in a montage where he's like at a park where instead of the chess tables it's five copies of oh, azul yeah. set up <laughs> and, and just playing just against a whole table bunch of like, as soon as he figures you know, out like a decent strategy michael like release a plan yeah. b tips and tricks so everybody has the strategy. <laughs> or, or the Azul expansion, and now everything Kurt learns yeah. is done. Or is some oh, random yeah, person in the park will just come by and take a board and just kick his butt. <laughs> he, he, he won't see what's coming. They've never played it before. He'll yeah. be like, uh, I've been working five years on this. a four-year-old kid who just kind of wanders over. Yeah, yeah. He's like an idiot savant. Oh, oh, do this, do this, do this. <laughs> and with uh, 212 points... <laughs> 212 points. We do it because we care. No no smirk on your face? Complete silence. (laughs) He has nothing to say. So this is what ganging up on me feels like. (laughs) I'm I'm just teasing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. 
I, I don't think I don't think I don't think the rest of them are, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, lucky for me I'm not a sore loser, so I'm all good. <laughs> I wasn't until I saw your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and the funny thing is, is I wasn't even I wasn't even met, uh, going that way, but I, I had to laugh that she took it that way. Oh my god, it was horrible. You're married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. Oh. Board games are fun, right, guys? Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They bring, they bring people together. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a bonding experience. I, I saw an article recently that said board games help you become a nicer person. Oh. I'm, like, eh. I'm not playing with those yeah. people. <laughs> Maybe if you're playing yeah, co-ops. Exactly. You instantly send it to three people that you're like, see, this should be happening to you. Why isn't this happening to you, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. See, I told you I am being nicer to jerk hole. Why don't you read the article again? <laughs> so, another question about Eastern Wonders. I actually meant to ask it and we kind of uh, tracked away, but now that it's a little back, um, <laughs> what um, what do you think of uh, like Sand to Sea? Do you think that that is, I, I mean, that's an expansion where you're connecting both games together. Obviously, you're going to say you enjoy it because, you know, publisher. But um, let's hear about that a bit. You know, so so the way I look at the hierarchy of this is that, like, so Spice Road is, like, very super accessible. And Eastern Wonders is uh, a little heavier. Um, I think it still is accessible. We have a two-page rule set. Easy to learn. Um, Sand to Sea is also two pages, but um, it requires that you know both games. So I, I I would say Sand to Sea is more the gamer version. Um, I would not throw I would not throw uh, first time players right into this game. Try Century, try Eastern Wonders because it takes elements of both, and you need to be good at both to do that one well. So it's it's even heavier than Eastern Wonders. I like it as a gamer, and it's it surprised me how well the integration worked because I really thought this would be tacked on and it wouldn't feel good but it's it gives me a pretty good experience as a player and um like i was i was blown away by eastern wonders just by itself i was blown away by eastern wonders so this one just amps it up a little bit more so when i'm playing with my gamer friends this is what i want to play with when i'm playing with my casual friends or i just want a lighter game i'm going to fall back to eastern wonders or century uh spice road as a gamer audience um do you once eastern wonders comes out do you think uh, after the first couple of Eastern Wonders, people will start going to Sand to Sea and not really going back to Eastern Wonders? Or do you think that there's a different experience based on the Eastern Wonders is its own entity, sort of, and uh, Sand to Sea is a next step? Uh, I think it's going to just kind of depend on the player. Um, if you really, really, really like Spice Road and you... Um, like the card aspect of it, you're probably going to want to play Sand to Sea. You know, if you're a gamer, you're going to want to play that because there's, it brings the cards in there and the cards have a multiple use effect because it's not just play the card for what it is, it's also I can discard the card to give me some more movement. Uh, it just it, it, it adds a little more breadth to your decision tree. So, me personally, I'm probably going to be very happy with Eastern Wonders because I'm going to be demoing the heck out of it. 
when we get our copies. And then Santa C is going to be for those people who request it, or it's going to be for my gamer crowd. But um, I think people, I, it's I think it's going to be really depend on on the reception. If you don't, if you didn't like the card aspect, you're probably not going to play Santa C because it uses the cards. But if you like the card aspect and a little bit of that luck of the draw, having a little bit more uh, randomness in the game, then you're probably going to enjoy it more. So it, it kind of just depends on the audience. And then also, if you like the extra bit of weight, that may, may be a factor as well. No, exactly. So so like so if, if Eastern Wonders, because it, it, isn't, it isn't heavy, it just feels heavier than Sentry, right. but if you just want a little more in there because of the decision tree or because there's just more options there for you to sludge through yeah then you're gonna like it because it's it so adds just a little extra kind weight of probably a little early to be asking but with uh new world will all three combine into one big game i'm not 100 percent certain at this point i think the intention was that it's that it goes from spice to eastern wonders and eastern wonders to new world but I, I think Emerson has this dream of being able to put all three together. But I don't know where that stands. I, I'm not a part of the editorial team, right. so I'm not sure if that stands as, as something that we're doing because all these things will need to yeah. be play-tested and balanced and make sure it feels right. So, And I mean, it's got to be but, tough uh, it, enough it, doing two games, let alone throwing a third one in there for good measure. <laughs> Right, and and I mean, and that's and that's the way. Like I've, I tried to explain it to people is that uh, Eastern Wonders, um, Century Spice Road, that was three or four years in production. Eastern Wonders was less than one year in production, and we put two games out with it. So same thing here. We we we're going to do it at Origins um, for 2019, but we're looking at not just one, but another two games. If we add a third into there, it's just more work. Doesn't mean that it won't happen. Doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. Maybe even potentially after the fact, because we could always publish uh, a PDF of a rule set. Now, uh, I mean, I'm not looking for hard dates. You can just give like a rough estimate when we'll see these things. Uh, Century the dice game. <laughs> oh man, 2022 or something like that. I would love a dice game for Century, but uh, what about Century Spice Road the RPG? You know, <laughs> I I I think Emerson is actually in development with the RPG. Okay, so probably like next three, four years, right? Uh, um, if not sooner. <laughs> Century Legacy Edition. Legacy Edition uh, actually uses real, uh, real spices in there. Well, that so that had to be a given. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so that's that's going to be on the market um, as soon as possible. I, you can go to your grocery store I, and get the components. <laughs> I just, I just well, can't wait the, for like. Oh renew- my god, that's the, recharge, is that, the pack. recharge pack. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, did you open up the coriander mo- module yet? Oh my god, it's so good! You won't believe it. Yeah. Spoilers. I open, when I opened it up, I couldn't stop sneezing. It was a lot of fun. No. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is the cinnamon he... challenge, and why am I being presented? Yeah, that's when you lose game seven. It's really tough. Do not lose game seven. <laughs> Now, what about when we have the Century Spice Road real-time dexterity combat game? Uh, you know, Emerson is looking at a dexterity game, so uh, maybe 2025. Oh, that's not too <laughs> I'm just making up things. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, yeah. no, it's, a good, it's a good time window, you know? It's like... <laughs> it'll be like, or, you know, like, what is it? Uh, Gen Con's, like, 57th anniversary. It'll be, you know, be a nice release for the time. 
Yeah, that'd be. I think that's a feasible timeline. That's actually part of the legacy game. That's all the consumable spices. You're just blowing them in each other's faces. <laughs> oh, perfect! <laughs> I see you're you're a playtester. I, I see you're writing notes already. <laughs> this is we got to get to a con together and just throw bags of pepper in each other's faces. What are you doing? <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? Century Spice Road, the real-time combat game. Very exclusive playtest. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we had actually considered for Gen Con, like we thought about it, we thought it'd be really cool to get giant bowls of spices to put on the tables. Oh. And we thought, what could go wrong? <laughs> and, like 700 like, things? Like everything. So we said, probably not a good idea. Everybody who comes by the booth has to do the cinnamon <laughs> challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, you can't get a seat. You can't get a seat. Go. Get out of here. <laughs> so here, here's the one question that uh, is most likely never going to be answered truthfully, but when you heard about Century Spice Road being the Splendor Killer, did you like secretly have it like inside where you're like, yes, yes we are, or was it... <laughs> Was it just like, you know, it felt good to be compared to, like, the game that everyone was losing their mind over for so long? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a, in my personal opinion, I don't think that these games kill each other. I think that they're... Century, Century Kill Splendor. Well, I, I think a lot of people, Fact. this replaces it on in their, in their collection, but but, they're, but they're, I think they're totally different games. And I think Splendor's, uh, honestly, a much lighter game. I don't I don't see a lot of challenge in Splendor, and it's not it's not a dig at Splendor. It's, a, it's good for casuals. But it's it's just it's just different. So it just exists in that same kind of entry level, you know, gateway status kind of game. That being said, it's it's definitely good press because Splendor. I think didn't Splendor win the Spiel? Mm. Am I am I or was it nominated for the Spiel? I think it won. I can't uh, remember. Golden Geek, but I. Well, it was definitely a lot of hype. Got, yeah, and yeah. So to I mean and you know. To, to get that kind of buzz early on, definitely a, definitely a good thing because it I think it kind of just formulated into sales or at least interest. So, yeah, because uh, our Origins booth was slamming the Gen Con booth. I kid you not. I mean, like, we had I think we had about a dozen tables out there, and we had people waiting to jump on a table. So, yeah, I think it I I I think there's enough interest there that it translated into success for us. It doesn't hurt that it was a good game. It doesn't hurt that we did a nice job with components, but um, in an era where hundreds of games are released a month and mm. Cult of the New exists and things die off within six months, it's uh, it's good to know that this had some, some interest and longevity so that we had a success yeah. on our hands. So. See, that's like one thing about a lot of these, like, these puzzle-style games like Santorini, Sagrada, you know, Sentry, Azul... You know, you were talking about like the heavy euros before, and very few of them are every year at the con. Like you see, terraforming Mars. I think terraforming Mars is going to be like a new classic. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Lords, Lord, Lords of Waterdeep. It's been around for like six, seven years. You see that like every year at cons. A lot of these like little abstract puzzle games. That's one of the things I like. Where it could be a couple of years later, and you're like, yeah, let's play quick play that because it's that forty minute window. Yep. Yep. It's not overly complex to explain. Like those, like you were saying, like Sentry, a one-page rule sheet. Azul, it's like a trifold sheet. 
it, yeah. it's always good to have those staples. Like I feel like Azul could be the new staple, you know, for a modern board game collection. No, I know. I'm I'm right now going through my uh, Mombasa rule set because this has just been piquing my interest and. In- Gosh, it's not it's not a, it's not a heavy rule set. It's twelve pages, but I've been so lazy about reading it because I've been living this era where it's like uh, 30, 40 minute games, and I'm just in and out, and I don't even need to read the rules because I know them. So I think that says something about uh, shelf longevity, especially with with um, casual gamers, um, people who you know. I can't get my wife to play Terra Mystica to save my life. I can't get her to play Agricola to save my life. Because she just doesn't want to live in that, in the time zone and the rules and trying to keep everything in track. It says something for for games, and I, and I really I think there's a shift in the market for more of that um, accessibility yeah. and quick to play and easy and fun. So, yeah, I agree. I, I will say this: once you get Mombasa to the table, you will be happy though. Fist oh no no oh no! I really I love stuff. Mombasa, but yeah. it's it's like relearning this because it's yeah. been a couple. Uh, couple months since i played it and that's i think that's a challenge with some of these medium and heavyweight games is that yeah i have to refer to the rules it's like really it's like it's like learning the game <laughs> uh, i know set up but i don't remember the nuances yeah, yeah. Is you it, don't play for six months and you're mm-hmm. like i don't have no idea what i'm doing is it five cards <laughs> or six is it you know that sort of thing yeah no exactly so, so stuff like stuff like that hinders you playing it like not only does components set up yep. like you like you guys were talking about, but but then the nuances and rules. So yeah, well even even friend of the show Daniel Daniel Peterson from Meta Games he even referenced like you know there's you know probably a small percentage of players that actually read the rules completely and you know know them. Shush, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, you know. That was great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, but, that, no, that's, you know, I mean, it makes sense because most people are just so excited to play the game that, you know, they might miss a thing or two, you know. So. Yeah, well, yeah, here's, this is an embarrassing story. Um, we, uh, I've been playing Pandemic the Cure, the dice game, yep. for the longest. Like, this is my preferred mm-hmm. version of Pandemic. I love dice games, and this just hits the sweet spot for me. Well, for the first time in like two years, two and a half Agreed. years, uh, my wife's coworker, who loves Pandemic, goes, "Let's let's play Pandemic," and I'm okay. We can play Pandemic, and oh my gosh, I was screwing up so many rules. I'm like, "No, I got this, I got this," and I just goofed them all up. <laughs> like, uh, oh, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to put that card there. She's like, "Yeah," I'm like, mm, "I'm pretty sure that's not the case." I'm, yeah. <laughs> I got my publisher card here. You're a teacher. <laughs> and I go look at the rule book and I'm like, never talking to her again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was but just yeah, testing no, you. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a, now we got to move. That's a gateway game. And I'm like, Oh crap. So <laughs> it's funny. I did that with uh Honshu. I was at a convention and, uh, I learned it with a friend who I was playing with at the convention again, and we had both got our copies. I played it one way. He played it a different way. We had both mixed up a single rule, but we mixed up the two single rules, so neither of us ever played the game properly. (laughs) And we both played different things wrong (laughs) on the same learning game. Oh, it was silly. But we played it right, and I I love that game. Anyway. That's, that's a good game. No, Hanchu's great. Yeah. It's a trick-taking game. That's that's like my bread and butter right there. What's that? So, 
trick-taking games like um i i i love tichu i love euchre i love hanshu yeah it's a it's a tableau builder i that's how i see uh, this is this is the this is the little city one and you get the cubes but you got to play it because yeah. you have a certain value of the card yeah, but it can be tricky yeah, it can be okay, okay, making sure I get... well yeah, isn't it, it kind of well, it, it's, it's a drafting i think i think one half of the game is trick taking and the other half is building that city yeah because you trick take for no it's yeah. it's drafting ah, and city that. building tableau building Duh. <laughs> See, I need to. Yeah, I need to go Mike, back and reference. Mike, just, Mike, Mike, I'm gonna side with I'm gonna side with you on this. I'm turning against my co-host. I'm pretty sure I'm a publisher. Yeah. I'm just gonna check the rules. Yeah. Okay. I don't think we're playing the same yeah. game. It sounds so like Kirk, you're playing Uno. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, here's where I make. Here's where I make my heel turn because I'm siding with Mike I, on this. I, agree. I see where you. It's kind of like a trick taker. It's, you know, it's 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 one mechanism in there. <laughs> it's not the scoring mechanism, but I think it's the priority mechanism. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of yes. it that way at first. But but I I agree. I think I think you there's strategy for trick taking in that game. It's a great game. I'm not siding with yeah. anybody. Nope. I'm I'm remaining neutral. I'm Switzerland. Like, yeah, sure, I'm gonna cover not? his face so you guys don't get mad at him. <laughs> are you guys Are you guys traveling to Origins or Dice Tower? Oh, no. <laughs> I wish <laughs> we we've been we've been whole humming cons like for the last couple of weeks, and Kurt this past week or so he was like maybe we should maybe we should go to Gen Con again this year. Uh no, we can't we can't swing it. We can't take off time, so I think we're gonna stay local. I think we're going to um. We're gonna go to some local cons in Wisconsin. Yeah, stay this local year. this year, and then hopefully next year be able to make it out to a major con. You guys are gonna bring the con in Wisconsin. That's right. We're gonna what? Bring the con in Wisconsin. Yeah, two, <laughs> yeah. two, two cons in Wisconsin. So, so let me ask you. Uh, I, you know, like we mentioned before, like you know, the the gamers that always want something new, right? If you could pitch something to the company with like without fear of reprimand or the idea of being immediately terminated, what would you love to see that would be the big difference in board games? Like uh, the thing that's oh not gosh. already out there. So I'm a I'm a um, super casual designer and I got two or three that I would love to pitch them, but um, I don't think they're the ones that are gonna set the world on fire. So you know uh, I think the I think this kind of industry, this kind of hobby, comes in cycles. So you know, we have deck builders start you know ten years ago, and no one knew how popular they would become, and they're still really good. But um, you know, legacy games. I don't think I would want to do a legacy game. Uh, you know, I I don't think you know what you have until it's out there, or until you see it. That's I think that's the challenging part, is that you can have all these ideas, but. Um, you know, do we do you want a mashup of all these cool mechanisms, or do you want to have an all new thing? I don't know. Uh, I love dice games. I love seeing new things with dice, and I have ideas for things to do with dice. Uh, and just the other day, I was thinking of a worker placement using dice with different aspects of it. I don't know. You know, I I can't say for certain that this would that I have an end all for all kind of thing or something that would just set the world on fire. But so. I, I can't give you a good answer. I don't know. 
Well, when you said like dice worker, like uh, what what about like is your idea of more like the D six system, or would you like polyhedral? So at least it's not your standard. Uh, no, I would I would probably do D six just because of the the production cost and because of the simplicity. Um, but I had this I, I did have an idea where where you can do a we can do a polyhedral dice where your workers would upgrade. So I would start with a D six, then I could refine a worker, and all of a sudden he's a D eight. Or I can bump them up to a D10 or D12 or D20 um, to give you a wider range of things and stuff like this. Like I had this this idea for a mechanism that would be a dice worker placement that you could upgrade them that way. And I thought about ideas of colors and numbers, like a, a like a like a stretch of numbers, like one through four would be an action. This would be an action. You have a secondary action based on the dice shape or the dice color, but these things I think just add more weight to the game and I don't know if it um, when messing with it it never really satisfied me so enough where I think it was a smooth enough uh, to present and understand but but yeah I would think polyhedrals would be cool just because I think we see a lot of d6 worker placements but um, I think it'd be cool to see new or different dice in there you know if you make all the uh, but, the workers d4s <laughs> they could double up as a security system if you ever drop the box no, that's good. That's a good point. And make Could make sure they're made out of razor blades on the side too. So, well, yeah, make Could it metal dice. The only thing that'd be worse than Legos to step on. You're upgrading workers from your two D six to from a up, and you have more spots that you can use throughout the game. That would be incredible. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, it's it's coming because the lifeblood yeah. in that system is long. Because they just recently came out with a team expansion uh, with the <laughs> last year's advent calendar. I saw that. I saw it. I want it so. It's bad. Uh, it's totally worth the. It it's totally worth so the cool. ten or fifteen bucks you're going to pay for it. So, yeah, st- strongly recommended. So it wouldn't surprise me if they ever did something like that where they had a, a secondary board. Just because that game <laughs> will never die, I think. He's like shuddering over there. <laughs> it, it, no. That it's <laughs> it's good. It's it's my favorite felt. Alright. So Kurt, if you like, I can go with a few of the rapid fires from right now, like we did to Stegmeyer. Oh, I love I love rapid fires. Let's do it. Alright, so Mike, <laughs> you gotta answer these with your heart. There's no too much uh thinking about it, you just gotta go with your gut feeling, right? I'm getting worried about the lightning round here or the rapid <laughs> the fire lightning. round. But... <laughs> it'll be it'll be a few of the same, a few different ones. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Alright, so ready? We'll start you with the easiest question of all. Pancakes or waffles? Uh, waffles. Excellent choice. Um, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon? Which one is worse? Oh, worse. That's uh, easy. Yu-Gi-Oh! Easy. <laughs> good call. Good call. Uh, red meeple or blue meeple? Red. Coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Summer or winter? Winter, for sure. I'm in Florida. I, I never see it. Fair enough. Uh, clear liquor or dark liquor? Uh, what color is this? I think that's dark. That count, that qualifies as dark. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> if, uh, I think this is, uh, yes, I think it's whiskey. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is it, it's warm and I like it. I hope, I hope you know the person that poured it for you. <laughs> yeah. I call it my happy juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is one game that you wish you can play at least once a month for the rest of your life? And what is one game you would like to see eradicated from the earth? Once a month for the rest of my life? Uh, probably Terra Mystica. Uh, even though I play it more than once a month. But um, one game that I could eradicate, that it's out of existence forever? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm not trying to draw blood, but um, I would I would probably say Scythe. Ooh! <laughs> Shots fired! I, uh, I, 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 Jamie's a friend of mine, and I do respect the design, but um, so much of that game just feels like it's about 85% cooked. I don't, think, I don't think there's any aspect of the game that I think is amazing on its own. It works well as a combined unit, but if I want an area control game, or if I want a resource production and management game, or if I want a war game, there's better games in each of those genres. I don't need it all stirred up for me, at least personally. Um, and I think it's... I think it's overhyped. It's great art and production, and it's a good game, but I think it's just a little overhyped with them. Um, he's got a very solid following, so it, it's no dig at, at Stonemeyer fans. Um, he, he's phenomenal, and the design's good. It's just, uh, I, I, you, know what, you know what it is? I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the story behind it. I, was, I, was, uh, I went to a local meetup a couple months ago, and my buddy said, oh, Mike, we really want to play Scythe. And I said, oh, I don't want to play Scythe. I got this game called Azul. It's not even out yet. Let's play that instead. And he goes, well, okay, bring it if you want to. That's fine. I get there, and there's six people there. We're all playing Scythe. Do you want to play with us? Uh, um, sure. <laughs> so we're going to play seven-player Scythe. And he's like, um, Mike, only two people here that have played Scythe is you and I. Do you want to do roles explanation? No. <laughs> so so seven-player Scythe... <laughs> Uh, took about six hours with five new people, and I wanted to shoot myself. So I think I think really is that experience that spoiled me on it. Uh. I got to see all the little nuances in the game that I just didn't like and just festered on them. So don't get me wrong, I I totally understand uh, you know your feeling on that, and I just want to make sure what is the email that all the hate letters should go to by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the, I think it's mfgc at google. There you go. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a few others for you. Above and below, or near and far. Uh, you know, I've ne- I've actually never played a Red Raven game, so. Wow. Uh, I think I think I would really like them, and I think my my family would like them. I have an eleven year old daughter. I think would really get into them because it's a narrative story. I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Kurt, we got to get this so, guy over and uh, get him educated on some Red Raven games yes, here. Definitely. I, uh, I think I would, I think I would like him, but I just haven't got him. And the art looks so beautiful, like very whimsical. But mm-hmm. okay, so ready? Favorite Pathfinder class? Good, good. Uh, I have not played Pathfinder, but uh, I would probably like to go with. Uh, do they have a monk class? Because I love monks. They, they do. D&D. To be fair, you can probably just make up words, and it'll probably be a class in one of the modules for Pathfinder. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take the uh, I'll take the Hyper Ninja Space Monk. Yeah. I like the Algebrist. He's really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna cast Cosine on him. All right. Uh, so <laughs> fair. <laughs> I actually want that as a class now. Favorite type of potato chip? Oh man, my wife's got me hooked on veggie chips. Like they're actually 
pretty good. And they're not particularly healthy for you. They're just really good. Oh, no, they're definitely not. But they make you think they're good for you, and that's what counts. <laughs> My wife thinks this. <laughs> and I had one more for you, and it just totally blanked out on that because I was thinking, like, now I want some veggie chips. Ah. <laughs> You actually killed my last question now. Now I want chips. I'm going to go get chips. I've got one last quick question if yep. we're ready to wrap up. You're close to it. Yeah? Okay. So, what is one question about Plan B games or any uh, or just that you Oof, would love one to answer I've never been asked? Uh, you know, I... I would think the the one or two that come to my mind is that um, a lot of people kind of seem confused about um, our relationship with Eggertspiel. And um, a lot of people just assume, okay, we're just different entities and all owned by the same company. Um, we're not. Like, like um, a lot, not a lot of people or really anyone that I talk to ask about this. So Plan B owns us, right? We're Plan B. We're also Next Move. And pretzel and Eggert spill the team, the players in each of these teams, all overlap. Eggert spill does a lot of our game design and development. The former Plan B guys do a lot of our graphic design and art assets. So it's every game that we do is a genuine team effort. So I, I hate. Um, I, I'm not one to to like try to look for praise and throw it all on it. It's all of our games are genuine team efforts. Uh, it's not like, okay, this is an amazing Eggertspiel team. Yeah, I mean, Eggertspiel published it, but we all collaborated in some capacity, which is why, like, Coimbra is the arts done by the Plan B guys. All the graphic design, all of us were involved in that, but they worked on the development. And uh, Azul was originally going to be an Eggertspiel game, but we traded them. So we took it, and even though it was published by Plan B, they did the development for it. So... Uh, I like just pointing out the fact that we're, I, I explain it like we're kind of a happy family. Like Plan B is the mama, and each of these lines have different characteristics and their own their own personalities as children, but there's still a lot of DNA in each of them, so that are that it's shared. So would you say it's more along the lines of it's it's one family and the type of game sort of dictates which yeah yeah, line yeah. releases yeah it? exactly. I mean it's oh. part of the intention for the. Uh, for the for the brands so the separation and for the different inferences so that we can drop it in there okay so if someone comes and pitches us an abstract game that's not going to Eggertspiel that's not going to Pretzel that's not going to Plan B it's going to go to the next move here I have a gateway game that's probably not going to go to Eggertspiel it's going to go to Plan B more than likely so it helps us discriminate um, what games get pitched and get delivered where but it also helps the average consumer or because we're all educated so they have an idea of what to expect out of that line. So I can go to an extra spill game, and I know I'm going to get a medium weight euro. In most cases, I want to get a medium to heavy euro. But if I need something that I need for like my family or for my kids, okay, I'm going to probably go to Plan B for that one. So if that makes sense. Do you have any confusion because you picked up Eggert Spiel and their sort of catalog? Is there any games through their history that may have crossed over that you may bring to another? publisher over time? Eggertspiel, they were a German publishing house and they just licensed the games to anyone. Okay. They didn't have the resources to be an international publisher like, like, like Plan B does. So like for example, Great Western Trail was originally released in the US under Stronghold. 
Mombasa was originally R&R in the U.S. So um, everything that's Eggertspiel, I don't know, personally know when the, when the contracts are up, but it's all coming home. And we will reconsider publishing those under the Eggertspiel line. We're not looking to license them out to, uh, at least in the U.S. and in Germany, we're not looking to, re, uh, to license those out to other publishers. So, uh, and everything moving forward, same thing. We'll find partners to, to be local partners, but not to uh, sell in our primary audience, like the primary markets, which is Germany, France, and, and the U.S., Canada. Like these are, these are our big ones. A lot of that stuff's going to stay in-house as much as we can. Cool. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> better words have never been spoken. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost I bedtime. I think I could write them. Way easier. I remember. I remember. That's what. That's what Paige said when he first wanted to. When he first said he wanted to be on a podcast, he's like, "Oh man, it's so easy to just write them down and not talk." And yeah. I'm like, "It's just a regular conversation." And he's like, "How do I do that?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one for talking. <laughs> Also coming out of coming out of written <laughs> reviews in my defense, you are. I wasn't used to you are. You're doing transition. Great. You I'm ask a better. lot of great questions. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so know. If, if you don't mind me uh, asking <laughs> you try. for a, a little favor there, uh, Mike, when uh, uh, Eggert Spiel comes home to roost, uh, if there's any way that they can bring back Merchants of the Middle Ages from 1999, oof. I uh, the name alone indicates it's right up my alley. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I do not know their entire catalog, <laughs> so I don't honestly know this game. But uh, if it's from '99 and I don't think it's been reprinted recently, that we probably have the rights. Um, it may have re- may have resorted back to the to the designer, but I'm gonna look this up because I don't know this title. And we are gonna see it in 2019 now. Thanks, Tan. <laughs> you heard yeah. it here first, so I can get it. Dan, Dan's gonna be the first one to get it because no. it's gonna say special thanks to Dan Simmons right no. in the bottom right corner. What's just gonna happen is, like Paige said before, people ask and ask and ask for it, and then when it comes out, they don't buy it. See, this is what's gonna happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we heard about it. We heard about this game, and Dan's saying that that he's got an insight. Yeah. <laughs> He's pushing it hard. <laughs> Listen, well, with the with the name of the game actually being Merchants of the Middle Ages, they can just call it Dry, 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 yeah. Cube Pushing, Indeed, and I'm that all That sells over better. It. <laughs> it's like, no, I have to look it up. Dry, Dry, Dry. Yep, that's everybody's homework for tonight is to look up what this game is. Player screens, loading up carts, move and deliver. I'm, I'm looking I'm it up. Oh, guarantee you would be able to put a stoic knight on the cover and it would fit in. Well, you know this. This is a Wolfgang Kramer. Kramer did this, right? So there you go. That I would at least be interested and interested enough. Uh, Philosophia did publish it, and Z-Man did publish it. So, well, yeah. And and there is somebody smiling oh, on the cover. Oh, smiling! So okay, face I'm sorry, I was way off. There's also there's also a guy that looks like he yeah there's also a guy that looks like and he's a donkey standing up on the cover. It looks like but, a donkey too. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. 
All right. Well, lots of lots of awesome things to consider, and uh, lots of awesome things that are going to be coming out in the near future. Oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on everything because, like we've talked about before, just you know, just the couple of games that you guys have out right now are just so th- thematically rich. Boy, is that is that a saying? I just made it up, and just well thought out. And I'm just excited to play what's coming up too. And thank you, Mike. Hey, Mike, how can people get in touch with oh. you? <laughs> Wonderful. If uh, if you guys follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Um, so it just depends on what label you want. Next Move, Plan B, Spiel, or Pretzel Games. Awesome. It all goes to Mike, so it's irrelevant, but <laughs> whatever. <No. laughs> Mini Pipes, one channel. I, I, I say take yeah. his social media feed is like yeah take Brewery. twenty questions for each different one and send them all at the same time so we yeah. have a, cl- yeah. a cluttered inbox but again thanks Mike and we appreciate you coming on to speak with us thank you guys Legends of Tabletop Podcast creating legends one die at a time.